So whatever information you have taken in during the day is really processed during the night. And, and then not only happens in the, in the first night, it also happens in the second and the third night after you soaked in, um, there's information. Uh, it's also very important for, for creating solutions and creativity because what happens in your brain during your sleep is that you literally do have mini explosions which kind of give you new connections between different neurons and that's called creativity. Welcome to Forever Young, the health podcast from Lanzerhof. My name is Nils Behrens and I'm not looking for eternal use. I'm trying to find answers to what leading a healthy life really means. Therefore, I will be talking to various health experts to find out what you can do to stay fit for as long as possible. And who knows, perhaps this knowledge will help lead you to a longer life after all. Welcome to Forever Young. My guest today is Christian Fine. Christian is a um, self-employed coach. He's a psychological consultant. He's a management consultant. And he is guiding people in meditation. So he's also guiding our guest at Lanzhof Tegensee in meditation. So welcome, Christian. Welcome, Nils. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christian... You told me that more people than usually approaching you because they are suffering from anxiety and panic. This sounds like a bad news, which leads, leads me to my first question. Is fear always bad? That's a very good question. But first of all, the reason why more people approaching me is mainly because in our Western culture, we kind of unlearned how to deal with uncertainty And um, that produces, obviously, a lot of fear, um, especially with corona. Um, nevertheless, um, putting that uh, into context, anxiety, generally speaking, is neither good nor bad. It's, it's rather a function to ensure the survival of our species. So in evolutionary terms, what we have is that we have three, three levels in the brain. We have a very old part, which is the reptilian brain. We have a middle brain and we have the cortex, which is the newest part. And this very old part where also the amygdala is connected basically has the function of reproduction and survival. So whenever we are anxious of something, when, whenever we are getting into a stress reaction, what usually happens is that we react in two ways. So either it's activation, which you might know as fight-flight, or it is immobilization, deactivation, which is playing that. And simultaneously, what happens is that the amygdala also flushes stress hormones into your body. So that's adrenaline, noradrenaline, that's acetylcholine, And if you perceive stress as negative, it's also cortisol. And if you perceive it as positive, um, it is DHEA and oxytocin, which has the nickname cuddle hormone. So that makes you connect with other people. So um, this is this is basic function of um, our body, and this really ensured our survival. So um, if you put it in into the current words, you probably are rather happy if a lorry comes around the corner and approaches you to be immediately activated and jump aside without any thinking because that happens lightning fast whereas 
if, for example, you have a conflict with your colleague, it is probably not so good because the amygdala has also um, another another well, specific thing you could say, and that is that it draws so much energy that your prefrontal cortex is shut off. So if you are in a challenging situation, you, you have absolutely no access to your skills and to your experience and to your knowledge because really it's kind of, yeah, emergency program, so to speak. But generally speaking, it's neither good nor bad. It's really just something which ensured our survival. When you describe it like this, it sounds like there's a huge variety. Um, are there also different kind of fears? Yes, there, there are. Well, if you go into psychology, there are obviously um, a lot of different forms of anxiety. Um, first of all, there are the more specific anxiety. So, for example, social anxiety disorder or agoraphobia. Um, and probably 5 to 12 percent of the world population do suffer from specific anxieties. But they are also, and, and I think they are even worse, uh, more generalized anxieties. So um, it could be general anxiety about life at all, you could say, um, with constant rumination, but it can also be anxiety of anxiety. So to give you an example, if somebody has a social anxiety disorder and maybe he or she at least is able to get out of the house if, if it's not too crowded, getting anxious of the anxiety then at a certain point means that you're not leaving the house at all. And then it gets really bad. Okay. So uh, it seems that there are many different causes for this different anxieties. So um, does it also mean that you have to know the causes to to treat the fears, the anxiety? Well, to my opinion, um, that's one of the most important points you mentioned because what, what usually happens is that, well, Western medicine, Western psychology um, treats very much on the symptom level. So there are obviously two ways. One is um, medications like antidepressants or benzos or whatever, um, which which give you an immediate relief, but it doesn't solve the real problem or the root cause, so to speak. It's just against the it's symptoms. It's just against the symptoms. And um, well, you, you, let's just assume you have a headache. And um, every time you have a headache, you take an aspirin. So sooner or later, you could at a certain point in time say, headache is nothing else than the absence of aspirin. But the root cause for your headache might be that you're constantly dehydrated, that you drink not enough water, um, which, by the way, we very often don't do in our Western world. Um, and if you would really go to the root cause and, and hydrate sufficiently, you would not only dissolve the headache, but your general health would improve. And that's the same with anxiety. Anxiety, if you look at the symptom, usually is a function of a root cause to express itself. And if you dissolve the root cause, then you have a lasting solution, which is very important. If you don't do that, you might cure the symptom, but the root cause will find another symptom to express itself. So it's not really a lasting solution. It's, it's just putting a plaster on every wound you have and 
chasing the symptoms instead of going to the root cause. Okay, and when you're running out of first aid, then you have exactly. a problem. Okay, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Can I control anxiety? If you are in a situation where you where you feel that anxiety is rising within yourself, um, then there are obviously uh, a couple of methods um, to to really get relief. Um, nevertheless, it is rather important to solve it on the root cause level, so to speak. But if you're in that situation, the, the, the problem is um, that you need some awareness to feel that in a relatively early stage because if your level of anxiety or even panic is too high, as I said, your prefrontal cortex is shut off. So you don't have access to what you know. Um, nevertheless, if you feel that rising, um, what you can do, um, and, and that's one of the best methods, as easy as it sounds, is distractions. Really distracting yourself. So one method to do that is that you count up and down five to seven erratic figures. So let's say three, seven, 18, 27, 35, 35, 27, 18, and so on. So you, you, you need... So the same up, same figures up and same figures same down. Same figures up, same figures down, and doing that as long as you're so distracted that your anxiety really diminishes. Because it, there's, a, there's a very... Um, I would even say brilliant sentence or, or quote from one of the teachers I had. And he always said, energy flows where attention goes. So if you go into your anxiety, you really fuel it and, and, and you really strengthen it. If you try to get rid of it, you're also focusing on your anxiety and also fueling and really strengthening it. So that's kind of the way in the middle. It's a little bit, maybe I'll come to that later, it's a little bit like meditation, where you also focus on a specific point instead of going in one or the other topic or trying to make it go away. You're really simply focusing on something else and counting up and down is one of the easiest methods to do that. There was um, an Italian psychologist um, and he treated his patients with um, asking them to, and, and really severe cases, of anxiety to dance pirouettes into the supermarket. And, and they were so distracted with dancing that they didn't even have time to be anxious. And then you, for <laughs> the first time maybe um, in a long period, have the feeling of self-competence and you have the experience that you can do something about your anxiety and to deal with it and, and to really go out into the world. Yeah, probably I'm more afraid of dancing in public in the supermarket than of my anxiety itself, but I don't know. Can circumstances like bad sleep also affect my anxiety? Sleep and um, anxiety, I would say, are directly connected and intertwined because what I experience and, and, and see very often um, with clients is that it's really a downward spiral. If you are anxious, if you're ruminating, what usually happens is that the quality of your sleep deteriorates. You, you either can't fall asleep or you don't sleep through or you sleep not enough, um, which should, by the way, be um, eight hours. 
And don't believe the fairy tales about people who can get along with four to six hours because that's just simply not true. Um, so 99% of people do need eight hours. And if you don't have that, then certain processes during your sleep can't take place, which are very, very important. So besides general regeneration, what happens in different sleep phases is that um, really the distance between your synapses is widening and your brain is flushed with a liquid to wash out toxins and plaque. Very important function. What also happens is that the so-called memory processing takes place. So whatever information you have taken in during the day is really processed during the night. And, and then not only happens in the, in the first night, it also happens in the second and the third night after you soaked in um, those information. Uh, it's also very important for, for creating solutions and creativity because what happens in your brain during your sleep is that you literally do have mini explosions which kind of give you new connections between different neurons and that's called creativity. And what happens then the next day when, when you have that insight or that idea actually already happened during the night, you're just becoming aware of it during the day. So really sleep is utterly important and if people are ruminating they usually don't sleep very well and they're not regenerated. That means that the next day they perceive challenges as even more but yeah, challenging, so to speak. Challenging. Yeah. <laughs> there was a double one. Um, and then they do even ruminate more and getting more anxious and sleep worse. And it's really a downward spiral. And is there also something I could do to improve my, my quality of sleep, especially in this situation? Two things everybody can do, which um, in 60 to 70% of all cases um, I've seen really already solved the problem. And one is breathing techniques. Because what you do with breathing techniques is that you directly influence your heart rate variability. That's the distance between your heartbeats. And that becomes more balanced and more rhythmic. In, in psychology, you speak about coherence, a coherent state you have, which signals your brain to relax and to stress down. So that can be something which is very helpful. And um, the other thing is, um, and, and, and that's generally speaking always recommendable, is to do meditation. Because there you learn to, and, and most people do mix that up. Meditation is not about relaxation. Meditation is really training to keep your focus on an object and that's the best thing you can do if you're ruminating or if you have problems or if you're stressed out or if you're anxious instead of trying to get rid of it instead of going into it you're simply focusing on something else and that's exactly what meditation does and what meditation trains you and as i said in most cases that already solved the problem mm -hmm. So would you recommend to do the meditation directly before you go to bed? Yes, absolutely. Um, very important point. Really, last thing you do, already lying in bed, if possible. Um, if you want to, maybe guided meditation. Otherwise, 
doing it by yourself. I mean, that's something you can learn very fastly. But for the, for the first week, for the first two weeks, or until your sleep really gets better, definitely in the evening. Um, ideal would be in the evening and in the morning. Because first thing you do in the morning really primes you for the whole day. So if you go more relaxed and more centered and more balanced into the day, you also perceive the challenges you have. No, you're absolutely right. So I've learned at Lanzerhof that I have to chew every bite more often than I used to. And so I took more time for my breakfast. And I've learned that uh, it is taking more time for breakfast means you have a more relaxed start into the day, which means that you are overall more relaxed during the day. So I'm, it's absolutely right. When you start, start it in a in a way where you take some time for yourself and also to focus, because at the end, uh, focus is one of the most important things, and especially to learn how to focus on something else is pretty hard still, even if you have some practice in meditation. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and, and that's really a very, very important point, especially in the context of anxiety, because how you start, how you start your day really determines most of the quality of your day. Did you start your day um, being in a traffic jam and having a fight with your partner or wife or whatsoever? Or did you start the day with a good breakfast, um, got a kiss from your partner, and easy ride into the office? It's a huge difference. Thank you very much, Christian. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Thank again. you, Nils. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please leave me a review and subscribe to this podcast. Please stay healthy.